And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the incomparable Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Jeff Chandler stars on Frontier Town from 1952. But first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular songs. And a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Caleb and I will try to name that tune. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. We have Caleb on the phone from Bolingbrook, Illinois. Hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Hi, how are you guys? Great. Glad you're with us. Yes, indeed. Good to have you on the show. Um, are you so, good at guessing much. songs? Yes, I am. All right. All right. I might not be that good. I might not be that good, but hey, I might as well give it a shot. You, that's right. <laughs> be brave, as they say. That's be brave. That's right. Well, these are all popular wedding songs. Wedding so songs, okay. I don't know if that gives you too much of a clue, uh, but um, they all have a, you know, a nice uh, romantic message oh, in the end. Oh, gosh, I'm going to mm-hmm. be terrible. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm going to play a clip from a song. As soon as you know the title of the song, shout it out, and we'll mm-hmm. go from there. You guys ready? Right. Yeah. Here's the first song. Yes, sir. Uh, Mac the knife. Someday. Is that it? No. no. When I'm awfully low. Oh, that's Frank Sinatra. When the world what'd you, what'd you is cold. It says the singer might be Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yes. Frank Sinatra. Just the way you are tonight. And the way you look. Oh. Way you, you look tonight no, is the I, I, answer. I didn't say it right. I didn't um, say it right. It's from the film Swing Time. It was performed by yes, Fred Astaire. Uh, but the most popular version, which is what we're listening to, was recorded by Frank Sinatra in 1964. I don't think either one of us got that one. So, and it was already kind of there. So I think we're going to call that a, a draw. A draw. <laughs> and go to the next song. I'll give you the year. This one was released in 1973. Oh. Oh, Marvin Gaye. Yes. What's the title? Hang it. <laughs> Let's get it on. There it is. All right. Let's get it on. Marvin Gaye, released in 73. Way to be, Caleb. Um, from his album, uh, Let's Get It On. And this was his most successful single for Motown. And of course, Let's uh, get I think it one on. of his most well-known songs. Oh, baby. <laughs> Who sings better, me or Marvin Gaye? What do you think, Caleb? You can answer uh, that one. Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't Thank even you. think about it. She didn't even think about it. <laughs> she and I. <laughs> I love it. All right. Let's get it on. Yeah. All right. Next one, 1986. When the night oh. has come. 
Uh, Stand by me. Yes. Stand by me. Stand by, by me. me is right. Originally performed in 1961 by Benny King, but featured on the yep. soundtrack of the '86 film Stand by Me, and it was released. Oh, I won't be afraid just as long. Stand, stand by me. Yeah, we're tied up. We're tied up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All Are right. you tied? Oh, you each have one. We're right? tied. Yeah. All right. Next song. This song was the. This version was from 1965. Oh. oh. Unchained melody. Yes. Oh. Good one. Oh, That's man. a tough one. Woo. So this Impressive. was a, yeah. This was a 1955 song written as the theme That's for the, the Everly Brothers for the right? prison film Unchained. It's the Righteous Brothers. Oh, Righteous Brothers, yeah. Right, and that's the Ooh. that's what we're listening to right now. Carl's up. I didn't know Christine. That's why. Yeah. Goes by so slowly, and time can do so much. Who's better, Lisa, me or? I'm gonna leave that to Kayla. Oh, he can hit the high notes. I can't hit those high ones, Caleb. Those high ones are tough for me. Because I have such a deep voice, you <laughs> right, know what I mean? of course. Caleb, you know what I'm saying? Very deep you voice. You and Elvis. Yes, sir. Like Elvis. All right, so. All right, uh, let's move on. The next song, 1977. Hmm. Sorry, I didn't hear what you said. I said I probably won't get this one. You might. Eric Clapton, guys. Um, these lyrics were on my wedding cake. Um, the way you look tonight. Or Wonderful tonight. Sorry, I shouldn't have said it. I oh, then I got it wrong. You did. You got it wrong. I missed it. I got excited. I thought you had it, but missed it. That's okay. Wonderful tonight. Yeah. That was from Eric What did I Clapton. say? The way you look tonight? Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. Oh, That's well. a different song. Yeah, it's a different it song. It is. Um, so where are we at? You have two. I have two, and Caleb, and Caleb has, one. has one. All right, there's one more song. Okay, come on, Here we Caleb. go. Released in 1970. Let's go. Shout this sucker out. And that's the title, guys. Oh, Signed, sealed, delivered it. by Stevie Wonder. Uh, this song peaked Stevie at number Wonder. three. Hmm? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Yes. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. But I missed it too. I missed yeah, it. Yeah, I know too. it's tough. It's tough. Here I am. Signed, sealed, Uh-oh. Delivered. High note for you, Carl. I can't do the high note. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, some great songs, anyways. Oh, man. It's a tough category. <laughs> but you guys did well. Caleb, I'm going to send you a four CD set of the Twilight Zone radio dramas. I promise you'll love it, okay? Cool. I really appreciate you calling Thanks and so playing. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you so much. Have a great Thank night, you. okay? All right. Thank you, guys. You're Bye-bye. welcome. When we come back, it's Jeff Chandler. As uh, the star of Frontier Town, Good Western. We'll be right back. Baby, 
More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. You know, a little earlier we were talking about how many years we've been on the air, how many radio shows, how many hours we've been on the air. Well, guess what? In all that time, Lisa, we have never aired a Frontier Town episode. I'm not sure why. We've aired Frontier Gentlemen and Frontier mm-hmm. some other stuff, but never Frontier Town. Now, this was a Western series. Jeff Chandler, that's right. He played uh, Philip Boynton on uh, Our Miss Brooks. He was also, he was Michael Shane on the radio as well. He plays a character named Chad Remington. Now, he's not billed as Jeff Chandler. He's actually billed as Tex Chandler. And I think that was just a way to just, you know, kind of um, separate himself from the comedy and the other detective roles he was playing. So he is billed as Tex Chandler, but it is Jeff Chandler. He plays Chad Remington. And uh, as a boy, Remington's father was murdered, and bringing the killer to justice served as a springboard for his career as a crime-fighting attorney in the small town of Dos Rios in the late 1800s. So that's kind of the backdrop of this series. Remington's sidekick, Cherokee O'Bannon, was played by Wade Crosby using the speech patterns of W.C. Fields. I'm not sure why, but throughout the whole thing, he, oh, yeah, she talks like this. Yes, indeed. I, you know, I don't know why, but uh, it wasn't a comedy. It was a, it was a drama, and you hear the guy talking like this the whole time. Uh, it came to radio 1949, lasted 47 episodes, and halfway through the program's run, the role was assumed by Reed Hadley. And Reed Hadley had been uh, playing Red Rider for a long, long time. And I'm guessing because Jeff Chandler, you know, he he died young. He died very young um, under the knife. He was uh, in, in an op, you know, having a, a kind of a routine operation. And he passed away um, on the table, and maybe that's what affected, you know, this this whole run. And they um, they had to get a different person to play it. The series was syndicated, written by uh, Paul Franklin, and produced by Bruce Fells. Now we're going to be listening to the syndication. It aired from 1949 to 1950, and then it came back in syndication. So we have a syndicated show that aired October 31st, 1952 called the $10,000 Foreclosure, also known as Emily Brackett. Here is part one now of Frontier Town. Frontier Town, the saga of the Roaring West. Frontier Town. El Paso, Cheyenne, Calgary, Tombstone. Frontier Town. Here is the adventurous story of the early West, the tamed and the untamed, from the Pecos to Powder River, Dodge City to Poker Flat. These are the towns they fought to live in and live to fight for, teeming crucibles of pioneer freedom. Frontier Town! Sprawling boisterously across a rawhide-tough frontier is a little town at Dos Rios. 
Not much of a town, to be sure. A few stores, a church, start of what someday will be a school, nine saloons, and one so-called lawyer. The lawyer's name is Chad Remington. Well, that's me. Of course, there's not enough law business in the whole county to keep me busy, but I do own a ranch left to me by my dad when he died. Naturally, there wouldn't be a lawyer in Dos Rios if we didn't have a court. And with the court, it goes without saying, we have a judge. Judge Fillmore, whose daughter Libby happens to be a most special favorite of mine. Well, with the lack of law business, one day not so long ago, the judge and I decided to see what we could do about getting ourselves some wild turkeys. So we saddled up a couple of my horses, took two of my best rifles, and started scouting. Nice shooting, Chad. You got yourself two gobblers. You'd call that nice shooting, Judge? Shot four times and only got two birds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what a fella gets for spending too much time practicing law and not enough time practicing with a Winchester. (laughs) Two out of four. Well, if you can keep as good an average hitting the bullseye for your clients... They should have no complaints. Clients? I haven't seen one in a month. (laughs) You don't mind my representing you, Chad. Never admit to a man who might be your future father-in-law that you can't keep his daughter in the style to which she hopes to become accustomed. (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice, Judge. And I'll be happy to pay your fee if my future father-in-law gives his consent someday. (laughs) I better be picking up those two toms before the buzzards get to... Ah, Who's this coming? I see someone coming, all right, but without my glasses... It's no wonder you only bagged one turkey. That's Tim Brackett. You know, the young puncher who works over at the J. Lazy L. Oh, yeah. Hey, Tim! Howdy, Chad. Judge? Well, Tim. Riding all over Patty's half acre looking for you. Cherokee told me you're probably out here on a turkey hunt. You looking for us? Well, I guess either one of you alone would have been all right. Got a legal question I'd like answered. Well, see, Judge, business (laughs) is picking up. What's on your mind, son? Well, it's just... just something I... Well, I made a bet with a fella. No one can legally force you to pay a bet, Tim. No, that isn't what I mean, Judge. Let's suppose a fella, some fella, borrowed $10,000 on his ranch. Uh-huh. Uh, some fella, huh? Yeah. Yeah, some fella. Well, suppose this fella paid all of it but $2,000 and then couldn't pay the 2000 right off. Could the man with the mortgage take the ranch away from him? It might sound inequitable, but legally, until every last cent is paid, interest and all, the lender can foreclose and take possession of the property. That's a fine thing. Lose your bet? Yeah, sure did lose my bet. Well, if you didn't bet your month's wages, there's no reason to commit suicide. Look, I just hate myself for doing this, but could one of you lend me a little money? Well, I don't know. Uh, How much money is a little money, Tim? Oh... $20, $25? As long as you're going to have to owe somebody, why not owe the man you lost the bet to? Well, it's not for him. It... It's for my sister. For your sister, huh? I never heard you talk about a sister before. Matter of fact, neither did I. You mean you ain't gonna let me have it? Not at all. If you give me a word that what you need the money for is strictly legitimate, I, I guess I can scrape it up. Chad, word of honor. I need $25 to help out my sister. That's good enough for me, Tim. Here you are. Don't go losing it riding back to town. You bet. See? I'll wrap it up and put it right here in this buckskin pouch in my pocket. Good. And don't forget, there's no particular hurry about paying it back. Hey, uh... I'm sure not much at speech-making, but... Thanks, Chad. Thanks from the bottom of my heart. Get up there, boy. Let's go! 
Dad, do you think you should have given that boy the money without finding out exactly what he needed it for? Well, he said he needed it for his sister, and it certainly was good enough for... And wait a minute. He must have dropped something when he pulled out that pouch. You see it there? What is it, Chad? What is that piece of paper? This piece of paper is a letter from the return address on the envelope. A boy has got a sister. Lives over in the next county in Dry Wells. Well, I'll be darned. I didn't believe that story about his sister being in trouble, but apparently it's true. You think maybe under the circumstances that we ought to open that letter and see what the trouble is? Well, if the girl's in real trouble, certainly $25 isn't going to cure it. All right, Judge, what do you say we read the letter and find out? Certainly. If she needs more money, maybe we can do something to be of real help. Well, here goes. Hmm. Fine lot of good that 25 can do his sister. And it was his sister he was talking about, Chad? Yep. When her father was alive, he borrowed 10,000 on their ranch. It's paid down to 2,000 now, and she can't meet that. Hmm. Judge, I, I've got a notion we better hightail it over to the Jay Lazy Yell and find Tim. The rest of this story may be interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Nobody at the J. Lazy L knew where Tim was. He'd taken the day off. So the judge and I headed back toward town. When we got to Dos Rios, the judge went home. I went up to the offices I keep, located over at Cherokee O'Bannon's livery stable. Cherokee, not only my landlord and sidekick, but also a former medicine man, was gnashing his teeth over my letting $25 slip through my fingers so easily. Of all the impoverished, impecunious imbecility, you take the cake, Chad. Well, I've got a sweet tooth. I like cake. Well, if you would direct your elementary instincts in the proper direction, one-fifth of that amount would have set them up for everybody down at my favorite hostelry, the Lady Luck Bar and Grill. Instead of ranting that way, Cherokee, and worrying about your constantly unquenched thirst, you might give some thought to where we could find Tim. First, you give him legal advice. Then, instead of charging him for it, you... What did you stop for, Cherokee? What are you staring at out the window? Unless this is an optical illusion, the most ravishing and pulchritudinous bit of femininity is about to come up the stairs to visit you, you bucolic Blackstone. Absolutely stunning, Chad. What an eye. What a girl. Uh, come in. Which one of you gentlemen is Mr. Remington? Why, I am. Uh, Cherokee, get the young lady a chair. Just what I was about to do. Here, won't you please sit down? Thanks. Thanks so much. Mr. Remington, my name is Emily Brackett. Brackett? Well, like I always say, it's a small world after all. We were just talking about another Brackett. A young cowboy over here, Tim Brackett. A fine, upstanding lad. Tim's my brother. Well, it is a small world, isn't it? They told me out at the J. Lazy L that you'd been out there a while ago looking for Tim and... I thought you might know where I could find him. At the moment, I don't, Miss Brackett. But while you're here, I have a confession to make. Yes? I read a letter you wrote to Tim about, well, about the money owing on your ranch. Well, he probably showed it to you because he wanted some legal advice. Well, that wasn't actually the reason. But now that I think about it, I have an idea your brother's headed for something which might bring a bit of trouble. Trouble? Uh, Cherokee, you're a man of the world... Indeed I am, my boy. Pride myself on it. If you needed $2,000 and didn't know how to raise it, and providing, of course, someone would lend you $25, dollars 
What would you do with the money you'd borrowed? Well, since it wouldn't take $25 to drown my sorrows, I might be inclined to risk it in the game of stud poker to see if I could run a double eagle up into some of the long green folding type money. You mean that my brother borrowed $25 to gamble? I don't mean anything yet, Miss Emily. But if you'll sit right here, there are only nine places in town where he could gamble. And Cherokee and I are going out and see if we can find that young man. All right, Lisa. Yes, indeed. All right, Tex, Tex Wolf. That's who you are. You're mm-hmm. Tex Wolf. And you are? I'm Chad Wemmington's friend. <laughs> Whoa, what's my name? <laughs> Cherokee O'Banion. Yes, indeed. October 31st, 1952. That's called the $10,000 foreclosure, also known as the Emily Brackett story. We'll get back to it with uh, Jeff Chandler playing Chad Remington, but he's billed as Tex Chandler on this. Good episode. As I said, only uh, the first time we've ever aired one of these. It's episode six in the series. They made 47 of them. Um, We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. This is Hollywood 360, heard across more than 100 radio stations coast to coast, and um, also heard on American Forces Radio all over the globe, 168 countries, American Forces Radio. So, Lisa, your voice is beaming all over the place. Right, you know that? as is yours. Yeah. And your so. impressions and impersonations. Ah, uh, yes. There we'll be go. right back. Stick around. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, this is Hollywood 360. We're listening to Frontier Town. Before we get back to it, I do want to tell you a little bit more about the Classic Radio Club. We hope you'll join it. It's uh, an internal sponsor here of Hollywood 360. And uh, we have hundreds and hundreds of members that receive 34 classic radio shows every single month. You get 10 as part of the club. And you get another 20-some-odd shows throughout the month from Hollywood 360, because that's sent to you, and four Radio Rarities episodes. So you get 34 classic radio shows by being a Classic Radio Club member. And you could join. You could cancel at any time. You're not roped into a long-term subscription. Try it out. The first month is only $1. We give you everything for a dollar the first month. Hopefully you will love it and continue. If not, you could cancel, 
but go to classicradioclub.com. What's a dollar? Give it a try. Give it a try. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. A buck. I mean, what's a buck? We have I mean, so many people who have tried it and just love it and yeah. have been with us and the Classic Radio Club for so many years. Oh, man. We have people from day one still Classic Radio Club members. And you can get um, the 10 shows on five CDs if you like CDs. Join the CD version or the CD membership. But if you like digital, just get it sent right to your computer and listen to the links anytime. They never expire. It's um, You can get just join the digital membership, right, Lisa? That's what I, you like. I like to keep them on my computer. It just kind of keeps uh, I don't like to waste space. <laughs> yeah. Mike and I like getting the CD sets. I like, I just put a new CD set every month. Boom, 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 right on my... And that's what that's what it sounds like. Boom, boom, boom. Well, that's because you have a lot of space in your house. Well, I just put them right up there. I like seeing the different colored collections. <laughs> They're the, all color coordinated. Yeah. Well, the five CDs come in a collector case, so we change the case color every every month. There's a there's a booklet in there. It's really really cool. And Mike loves it. I love it. Lisa doesn't like the CDs, huh? But, you know, yeah. most cars don't even have CD players say, anymore. I don't honestly have a CD player in anything anymore. You don't? Nothing. I have a CD player in it. I don't own a CD player. You have I have my... one in my car, but oh, yeah. it doesn't work. Oh, right. okay. So, so <laughs> basically thing. you don't have one then. <laughs> um, but, yeah, check it out. ClassicRadioClub.com. ClassicRadioClub.com. We'd love it if you join. All right, we're listening to Frontier Town, uh, October 31st, 1952. Here's the conclusion. Staying in the plot, Tim? You're blame right I am, Duke. Staying in and raising you another 20. Hey, you must have another king in the hole, huh? What do you mean by that, Duke? What do you mean, what do I mean? Anybody with the cards showing that you have and betting the way you are must have a king buried. I always kind of suspected you could read the backs of the cards, Duke. Are you insinuating that I'm running a crooked game? I ain't insinuating, I'm saying so. How else could you know I got a king in a hole? Tim, I've been operating in Dos Rios for six years now. No one's ever talked to me that way before. So I'm asking you to pick up your money and get out. Who are you trying to bluff? I'm not bluffing, Tim. I'm telling you to clear out of the game. Yeah? Well, if I leave the game, I'm taking a pot with me. In a square game, I don't want it. Duke, take your hands off that money. Tim, don't act loco. You go reaching for your gun and... Duke, who plugged Tim? I did, Shad. Why, you low down, double down. Now, just a minute before you both go shooting off your mouths. Why don't you ask someone who was here what happened? It was Tim's fault, Chad. He called Duke a cheat and a liar and then went for his gun. And that's gospel. I tried to stop him, but when he threw down on me, there was only one thing I could do. I guess I did it. Yeah, I guess you did. All right, some of you men picked him up and take him over to the... to the undertaker's. Chad, if only you'd gotten there just a little earlier. Believe me, Miss Brackett, you've got to try to get hold of yourself. Unfortunately, all the grief in the world isn't going to bring your brother back. You just say the word, miss, and I'll fill that thieving gambler so full of lead 
that he'll bust right through the floor and bury himself right there. You can save yourself all that trouble, Cherokee. Because after I've had a chance to talk to a few men who were in there and I find out what actually happened, I may take care of Duke. I'll give him a chance to take care of me. Oh, no. You've done all you should already. Don't go back down there. I've got to, Miss Emily. That's got to be finished before we worry about your ranch. If there's anything I can do, you're not going to lose your place to a money-grubbing loan shark for 20 cents on the dollar. From all I've noticed, death, sudden and brutal death, is as shocking in a frontier town as any place else in the country. But somehow on the frontier, folks seem better able to pull themselves together and go on with the things that have to be done. And so it was that Emily Brackett, over her first shock at her brother Tim's killing, had regained some of her composure and was able to answer a few questions. Well, that's about all there is to it, Chad. Everybody around our part of the country had always borrowed from old Sam Tennyson and never had any trouble. It wasn't until Mr. Tennyson died that the man who took over all of his loans began to foreclose in wholesale lots. When you say took over all his loans, what do you mean by that? I mean, well, I don't know exactly, but this Mr. Sturgis bought the mortgages from Sam Tennyson's estate, I guess. Eh, sounds crooked to me. Estate? Did Tennyson have any heirs, sons or daughters? He had a son, but he died a few weeks later in an accident. A a bridge he was riding over collapsed. Convenient, wasn't it? For Sturgis, I mean. What? Uh, How many ranches has his Sturgis foreclosed on already? Oh, goodness, I don't know, but... I guess there isn't a part of the valley he doesn't own some acreage in. Well, I think we've imposed on you enough, Miss Emily. Right now, we still have a little unfinished business to take care of. Business with Duke Rafferty. Leaving the judge, Libby, and Cherokee to take care of Emily Brackett, I started out to see that Duke Rafferty, the gambler, paid for the wanton killing of Tim Brackett. So, like any lawyer, I began asking questions to get the proof which would support my case. When I'd asked about half a dozen people who'd been in the so-called cafe, I wasted little time going over and paying a call on Mr. Rafferty in person. What do you want to see me about, Remington? You'll find out, Duke. You gotta stick your nose in everybody's business, huh? At the moment, all I'd like to do is see you alone. Yeah, you lawyers. Come on. Let's go into my private office. Thanks. Okay. Now what do you want? Duke, I've made it my business to talk to half a dozen men who witnessed Tim's killing. But it didn't take long to learn that Tim threatened you, and even though you tried to stop him, it was the kid who cleared his holster first. Well, <laughs> you had me worried for a minute. You know, you got a reputation and a pair of eyes that throw a cold chill into a man. Well, you can relax. Now, they, they tell me Tim Brackett accused you of using a mock deck. I think you know better than that, Chad. Check. Now, how about doing me a favor? Name your own game, Chad. Running a place like this, I imagine you've met a lot of the fly-by-night gents in this part of the country. I was wondering if you could give me a line on a character over in Dry Wells in the next county, a big money man by the name of Sturgis. K.C. Sturgis? Oh, K.C.? I don't know. All I know is uh, the name Sturgis. What does K.C. mean? Well, if it is the same maverick, I know the K.C.'s a nickname. Stands for Kansas City. That's where he came from originally, before he started to work the small towns along the Pecos and the mining camps through Colorado. Work the mining camps, eh? What is he, a gambler? 
Well, he gambles, but he doesn't make his living at it. What does he do to make a living? Casey? <laughs> does anything and anybody. All he is, Chad's a confidence man. Confidence man, is he? It's very interesting, Duke. How in the name of Hannah did you ever get mixed up with a gent like that? I'm not mixed up with him yet. But now that you give me this little rundown on him, I got a notion it won't be very long before I am mixed up with him. Plenty. Great gilded glory, Chad. What conceivable difference can it make if Sturgis is a confidence man? It may make the difference between being able to save Miss Emily's ranch or having Sturgis take it over for the few thousand dollars still owing on it. Chad, as far as I'm concerned, you haven't answered Cherokee's question. Uh, I guess you're right, Judge. But if Cherokee is willing to ride over to Dry Wells with us and indulge in a little acting, I've got what might be a bright idea. Now I'm more confused. Confidence man and acting? What? Well, all right, then. <laughs> Here it is in a nutshell. If Mr. Casey Sturgis is a confidence man, and if you introduce Cherokee to him as your wealthy uncle from the East who's come out to visit you, I think Sturgis will forego your ranch temporarily and make a play for the larger stakes. Chad, I'm afraid you'd make an unsuccessful impresario. Me, a multimillionaire? Why, even with my astounding amount of histronic ability, I'm afraid that's a characterization at this late date. Too far beyond my impecunious experience. <laughs> Cherokee, with a little expert coaching, we'll have you lighting your cigars with $20 bills. And I must say, Chad, although your proposal is slightly extra legal, it sounds as if it might work on a confidence man. Well, there's an old saying, Judge, takes a crook to catch a crook. <laughs> Sir, am I to infer that you're branding me a crook? Oh, not on your life, Cherokee. I convict no man till he's proven guilty. Why, until I see you in action in dry wells, I'm not even calling you an actor. <laughs> well, we got to dry wells the next day and moved bag and baggage into the spare room in Emily Brackett's little ranch house. Then she sent word to Sturgis that she wanted to see him. When we saw Sturgis arriving, I suddenly remembered something I hadn't thought of before. That's Sturgis. Just riding in through the gate now, Chad. Oh, good. Then in that case, the judge and I had better go into the kitchen while Cherokee demonstrates his histrionic ab... Oh, good gosh. So one thing we hadn't thought of. What's that, Chad? Cherokee's name. Emily can't introduce him to Sturgis as her uncle Cherokee. What is your right name, Cherokee? Why, uh... My, uh, come on, come on. Sturgis uh, is almost on the porch now. Surely your parents gave you a name when you were born. Uh, yes, they did. And I still hate my revered painter for it. My name, my cognomen, my handle is Aloysius. So you see, Mr. Sturgis, when Uncle Al got my letter asking for the $2,000 I still owe you, he simply packed up and came right out here. It was 2000 but it's more than that now with the interest and default charges. My good fellow, what difference can that make? What difference can a few thousand make one way or another? No nephew, I mean whatever a she-male nephew is called. Niece, I'm your niece. Thank you, Emily. No relative of mine is going to lose a ranch for a few paltry dollars. When I've got so much, I've got to keep it in three banks. Uh, in three banks? Three banks and a private vault. What? Well, having been in the furniture business all my life, nose to the grindstone and all that, it's always been my dream to come out west. Out west where men are men and gold is where you find it. Oh, I've known people before to come out from the east looking for gold and lose everything they had, but... Mr. Sturgis, if you're meaning to discourage me, 
you're not succeeding. Because if I can find a suitable piece of gold-bearing land, I'm prepared to pay upwards of $50,000 for it. Uncle, really, you should. Now, just a minute, Miss Brackett. Your uncle's a successful businessman. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And if you're real serious about wanting a piece of gold-bearing property, sir, I know of one that's got a fortune on it. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if I couldn't get it for... Well, for a little more than the figure you have in mind. I own figures. Take me to the property. And if I like it, I'll give you a draft on my bank. At least on one of them. Well, look, I'd better check up on this land first and see if it's still available. And if it is, I'll show you the most valuable piece of gold-bearing property since the mother load was discovered. if it doesn't take a crook to catch a crook, it certainly took an actor to bait the trap to catch the crook that time. Sturgis practically ran for his horse and headed for town with the judge and myself trailing him cautiously. And there, after a while, we saw him come out of a mining claim office and head out toward the desert. About seven miles out of town, with nothing around but rocks, cactus, and Joshua trees, the judge and I saw Sturgis dismount, kneel down, and burrow under some of the rocks. We didn't wait for him to mount up again, but we circled the location and came back afterwards. Late that afternoon, we saw him again approaching the spot in the buckboard, carrying Emily and Cherokee with Well, Al, my boy, here's the property. Here's where we get off. Well, this is certainly picturesque, Sturgis. But there's nothing here but desert. That's the beauty of it. That's why you can pick it up for eighty or 90000 Why, nobody even thinks it's gold out here. And just to show you the fortune that's here, suppose you just stoop down and look under any of these rocks. Do you think I should, Emily? Go on, Al. Go on. It won't bite you. Well, all right. Well, there's nothing under this rock but a lot of crawling worms. What? Well, let me see. Oh, that's funny. Well, let's look over here. There's surely a few nuggets under this rock. There aren't even crawling worms under that one. Mr. Sturgis, I have a feeling you brought me out here on a fool's errand. Why, there's no more gold here than a... Oh, look, Uncle Al. Isn't this Chad coming? Chad? Who's he? He's a friend of my brother's over in Dos Rios. Looking for us, Chad? Oh, fella. Hold it, boy. They told me it's your place you'd ridden out this way, so we trailed you. I'm glad to say I've got just about enough for you to pay off your loan. Well, this is really a coincidence. This is Mr. Sturgis, the man who holds the mortgage. Oh, howdy, Sturgis. I don't suppose you mind if I haven't got it in cash, but if you want to go back to town, the bank will give you money for these gold nuggets. Gold nuggets? Let me see them. Sure. Here you are. Are you low-down crooked, you... Where'd you get these nuggets? What difference can that make? I told you the bank would take them. You double-dealing buzzard. You stole them. Stole them right from here. Oh, how come you know where I got them? How do I know? Because I put them here. My... I... Well... well, you know because you put them here yourself. You salted this little piece of land and were ready to sell it as a gold mine. What? Trying to bilk me by cheap chicanery? That's nothing but a, uh, but a lie. You can't prove that. Oh, no. Can we prove that, Judge, or can't we? In any court in the land. Because both of us saw this confidence man ride out here and plant the nuggets right before our eyes. Oh, you double-crossing sneaking... Don't close both his eyes, Chad. He's got to have one good one when he signs that release. Don't worry, Cherokee. I'm only going to dot one eye and one... 
Shit! And now, now, Mr. Sturgis, you can either get up yourself or I'll help you up. Because we're all going back to the Brackett Ranch where you'll sign a receipt for payment in full for the balance of that mortgage. What are you talking about? You just admitted those nuggets were mine. They were. But there's a law that says finders keepers. <laughs> and another law in anyone's courtroom which says a confidence man can be sentenced to from 15 to 20 years in jail. Well, how about it, Sturgis? You coming back with us and signing that release? Yeah. All right, all right. I know when I'm licked. Give me a chance to get my breath, will you? Listen, you faker. I'm going to give you a better chance than you would have given me. It so happens that in my hip pocket, I have a bottle of my genuine Cherokee Indian rattlesnake oil. One mouthful of that for you and one for me, and we'll all be able to ride back. Now, just a minute, Cherokee. We've agreed on the punishment for this crime. And we're not forcing Sturgis to drink that alcoholic loco juice of yours unless we catch him on ten counts of attempted murder. Chad, that's the most unfair cut <laughs> you <laughs> go on. Frontier Town, starring Tex Chandler, is a Bruce Ells production. Supervision by Joel Murcott. Story and direction by Paul Franklin. Music written and played by Ivan Dittmars. Be sure to be with us again same time next week for another fine action-adventure story with your favorite young Western star, Tex Chandler. And now this is Bill Foreman telling you that Frontier Town came to you from Hollywood. I think that was a Hammond organ there, Lisa. I'm going to say you're right, Carl. Hammond organ I there. wouldn't dare to argue with you. Don't argue with me. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Foreman doing the announcing there. Bill Foreman was the announcer on Phil Harris and Alice Faye, and he was also the Whistler. He was the voice of the Whistler. Um, there were several actors that played the Whistler, but he had the role the longest. Um, you had uh, Jeff Chandler billed as Tex Chandler, playing Chad Remington there, and uh, Wade Crosby as Cherokee O'Bannon on that broadcast. That was called the $10,000 Exposure, also known as the Emily Brackett Story, October 31st, 1952. That's Frontier Town. All right. Time for this month in music history. And we're going back to the 1940s. This song is from 1941. Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. That's it. By the Andrew Sisters. Yes, exactly. This was in the Abbott and Costello comedy Buck Private. Yes, in it 1941. was. And this song reached number six on the pop charts. You couldn't find a better version of this? Uh, no, I couldn't. Actually. Really? This is the best I could find. No, there's yes, plenty. No. All right, well, plenty. when you write the song, you like, should find a better one. This sounds like 47th generation. It sounds like it was from 1941, No, too. no, there's plenty. All right, well, anyway, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. 
and um, Andrew's sisters. That's I got right. I've gotten all of these so far, I think. Oh, no, I missed the first one. All right, time for uh, a break. Then okay. It's more of, <laughs> then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, it's a sci-fi adventure of Dimension X from 1950. But we'll start things out by playing Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, the music edition. And I don't do very well at this game. Uh, You might do better at this one. I'm going to be playing disco songs. Disco. Oh, So if nothing else, you'll appreciate the music. Finally. Finally, I'm doing something right. Gosh, Lisa. I'm always doing it wrong. You finally turned it it around and you're doing something accurately this time. Right. Usually I do. All right. We'll see you soon. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey a lot easier. 